I, I am I'm out of ideas for classic. <laughs> just, I'm already out of ideas. Yep. I just I got nothing. Of course. I mean, well, we wouldn't have expected anything less. No. No, I'll, I, I'm sure I'll periodically pop a new one in there, but I mean, I, I was so invested in the in the sultry, gravelly one, and you just did not like it no. so much, yeah, so very much. <laughs> we don't need that. Nobody needs mm-hmm. that. You know, I'll, you know, I'll do. I'll watch a whole bunch of like Adult Swim, and that will give me ideas for silly ways to introduce things. I think that's the way to go. There should be a lot of ideas there. There should be, yeah, very inappropriate ones. Oh well, inappropriate's the the subtitle of this podcast, mm-hmm. isn't it? It should be. <laughs> so this episode was our first interview. It was with our uh, our good friend Scott Manning at the Vintage. Mm-hmm. So the, the, this was funny last week. My wife and my son were out visiting you, and I get a picture of you guys at the Vintage while I'm sitting there drinking a beer from the Vintage in my backyard in Connecticut. <laughs> so we were we were together but apart. It was very lovely. It was uh it was kismet. <laughs> yeah. I think I managed to turn your son off a beer for the rest of his life though. Well, you you don't make an introductory beer a smoked Baltic porter. That is not an, <laughs> that is not a gateway beer. <laughs> Hey, like I said, go big or go home. <laughs> and, and, and he's he's been saying that all week. He's like, yeah, that was just really not good. I'm like, it was the wrong beer. <laughs> Smoked Baltic Porter mm-hmm. as your first sip of beer. Yep. Who, 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 you know, we've all got our first beer story. That's his first beer story. <laughs> well, and, you know, I know that your son doesn't like chocolate either. No, and he does so, not. I mean, that was, so he doesn't go in for that astringent, you know, dark, roasty kind of kind of character so mm-hmm. yeah that was i knew what i was doing that was that was fairly amusing yeah he uh he does love like vanilla and root beer so there's some angle that would say that should have maybe worked but he drank four glasses of soda in 20 yes. minutes oh I, oh i'm sure he did because he wanted to try them all all of their custom sodas that they make and of course the good people to vintage being who they are didn't charge us for them so well, he told me that too. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I mean, they don't charge James at all for anything." I said, "They usually do. <laughs> they they, they do. usually do." <laughs> yes, as as is a testament a testament from my bank account as a, or my my cash ATM withdrawals. <laughs> do you ever get those notices from your credit card company that uh, we we've these um, charges are not the way they normally are, and it's because. You know, you went to the vintage and only spent, you know, eight dollars. <laughs> Something's wrong here. You usually spend at least forty when you're there. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. So yes, yeah, smoked Baltic porter, not an entry point. Not beer. an entry point. But but anyway, that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> no, no, it's about a wonderful conversation with Scott about the vintage, about the history of the vintage. Uh, we, we did our first. I think we played beer the name and beer or no. We did with both. Him. Yep. And that was quite fun. Yep. Yeah, and we this was our first opportunity to get, a, you know, a brewer's perspective because we had talked a, a few times up to this point about you know inter- interacting with brewers, and I think a future episode that we're going to do classic on is about you know engaging brewers, like eight questions or whatever. But yep. the to, first time to get a chance to ask Scott, like from the brewer's perspective, what is it? You know, I, I think I asked him about quality. It was like, what the hell does that mean? How do you how do you pivot and really looking to get some perspective from him as a brewer to give the straight dope to any of the growers that are listening? Because in in my experience anyway, I, we again we talk about this much later in an episode, but you know the, there's a few groups of brewers, types of brewers that you're going to interact with, and it's important to understand how how they generally respond to sure. various aspects, and so. <laughs> Scott was a was a good, I think, representation of the. He's within one standard deviation of the norm. <laughs> uh, so, so I thought that was a good a good kickoff point. Plus, he's mm-hmm. he's a pretty good guy. So, understanding oh, yeah. it was our first interview that was on site too at the brewery. Yes, um, and you can hear all. I think they're setting up for a mm-hmm, party that day. Mm-hmm. I want to say in the background you hear tables being set yep. up and yep. just just banging and noise. There are, and it was good that it was on site because we'll we'll have another interview coming up 
with, with Ron, who does um, does lumber and trellis work. And that was the first time we had another remote person. And you could hear some interesting audio issues going on. Yeah, on that we, as well. we had some challenges there. Yeah. But yeah, Scott was great. The uh, the responses to the games were hysterical. And it he brought up, I had forgotten this, the idea of doing this with some other people and then having kind of a sort of a round robin, winner take all um, beer the name competition. It's we've we've played beer the name many many times. No one has ever, to the best of my knowledge, made a beer using one of our names and then supplied it to us because that's what we say every time is we want to try it. Yeah, well, we also know that brewers are not really all that interested in hearing other people's ideas. No, they're not. They're not. It was also the first appearance of I'm going to punch you in the throat, yeah. which yeah. is a. I was going to say it's a fan favorite, but I think it's just my favorite. It's a perennial favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here you go, Scott Manning and the Vintage. Very exciting to have Scott Manning from Vintage Brewing here. Say hi, Scott. Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks a lot. We are broadcasting to you right now from the lovely ballroom at the uh, Vintage Sock uh, overlooking the Wisconsin River. Gorgeous. There's freaking bald eagles fishing this morning as I was driving across the, the bridge to come here. So this is a great spot. But uh, Scott's a longtime friend and uh, fantastic brewer. Everything this guy touches uh, turns turns fantastic. Um, but we're just going to have a have a lovely chat today. We've been, Greg and I, Scott, have been talking about uh, this intersection between ingredients, you know, farming, uh, brewing, brewing technique, brewing market, business and the consumer side and uh obviously i think we're gonna we're gonna want to talk to you about the brewer and consumer side of things today i am both you are both (laughs) (laughs) um something that we've really been hitting on in our first few podcasts was this concept two things this nebulous concept of quality and this nebulous concept of local and because they're freaking buzzwords you hear all over the place, it drives me nuts. But what does it mean? And that's really what we've been digging into. And Greg and I have been yammering back and forth about what we think it means. So we wanted to ask somebody who's in the biz exactly to them and their business, what do they think it means? Sure. Um, I mean, it sounds like that was a two-part or multi-part question. So if we're talking about what does local mean, well, then I think we are uh, we get to be more local than many. If people don't know, we're a brew pub group. And so just by virtue of our business model, we get to see people who are drinking our beer at our places. So that's kind of um, kind of great. It's instant gratification for a brewer to go out and meet the folks who are, who are nice enough to buy your wares and spend time at your places. And um, they'll give you feedback right away, which is, which is cool. So I think, you know, if we're the neighborhood um, brew pub option, then, um, then that's great. I mean, we do distribute our beer a little bit outside of our own uh, four walls or several four walls. <laughs> and uh, so I guess that doesn't, how does that resonate? I can't really tell you. I mean, we, we're not a, a big, big player regionally anywhere, but I think we do a lot of uh, variety in our brewing as well. So we get to fill in a, in a lot of ways out there in other people's draft lineups. Um, and we're just now starting to get into... Um, cans and some distribution along those lines. But I think our, well, I know that our mainstay um, is always going to be the people who come to see us at our places and enjoy the freshest beer possible. And that might be a segue into quality. I think one of the things that people forget uh, with beer is that it really is a food product and that it's susceptible to um, degradation, staling, spoiling, and a lot of ways that I think because the American um, beer consumer has had decades and decades and generations really of kind of a misunderstanding of beer as a manufactured item that is, is somehow shelf stable forever and ever like a Twinkie. Um, we're not brewing Twinkies here. Although someone probably is. No, no, no. Someone probably is brewing with Twinkies. (laughs) That's a, that's a whole nother topic. We're going to, I'm going to go to Ducal for that one because (laughs) you know, I've harped on gummy bears and beer enough already. So we're going to go to him about the Twinkie beer. But anyway, well, yeah, I have to say that, that Scott, usually about, Three quarters of the way into the podcast, we come up with the name for that show. We're not it's we're not brewing Twinkies here. I think we've just found it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it brewing with Twinkies or brewing for Twinkies? And I don't even know what that means. So we're in that kind of a mm-hmm. cross section of the society right now. <laughs> um, yeah, not going into flavored beers like that, but I, I do think people uh, misunderstand beer to be something that you can just. If I buy a, a 
37 pack of whatever it is and put it in my garage, it's going to be fine two years, three years, 15 years later. And that's really not true. And, um, that's the same for the, the very biggest players, but it's even more so for, for us little guys who take great pains to make a fresh and delicious product that's meant to be served, you know, right away, right away. As soon as we say it's, if, if you're going to filter it, great. If you're going to go to carbonation and that great, enjoy it pint by pint, hopefully, and, uh, fresher, the better. Well, I want to talk though about the hyperbole around quality and we talk about greg and i've talked about quality ingredients certainly the small-scale hop growers like i've I've got the highest quality hops and you're like bullshit (laughs) in whose mind what does quality mean you know so like from an ingredient standpoint when we talk about you you would think being able to define quality would be a lot easier than it is but it's it's like well quality how i mean there's like technical specifications around alpha acids and you know what have you but how does like if a if a grower or a broker, we're going to come to you with, with like hops and say, all right, Scott, this is what we're going to have for, uh, this is what I have for my harvest. Look, these are the highest quality and you, and you, and you get them and you're like, no, these aren't quality. These are, these are junk, right? It's like, well, what is it? Or you say, wow, these are fantastic. These are the best quality I've ever had. What the hell does that mean? Well, yeah, first of all, we do get a lot of people who are small term, even medium sized growers who just misunderstand it and sometimes show up with hops and sometimes (laughs) just send us the email saying, these are the best. How much do you want? And that's a bit misguided. Um, You know, in some cases, if we're desperate trying to fill a gap with our normal supply chain on a hop, for example, maybe we just pull from whatever best source from the most recent crop year. Hopefully it's last year's or this year's or whatever we can get, you know, freshest is definitely better in the world of hops. But, you know, we, we, well, because we're connected locally to our consumer base, we try to source things locally as well. And I think, you know, being in Southern Wisconsin here, we've come a long way and being able to have things that are local. And so what that means is in some cases you can actually get there. Uh, I am not lucky enough to be able to fly to Bavaria and do hop rubs. I wish someday, Hey, we'll get there someday. Oh, come or, on. You have four locations now. What are you talking about? Yeah. We're printing money. Uh-huh. Uh, better yet, New Zealand. I can go there and do some hop rubs. Sure. Well, I can set that up. That's what it's going <laughs> to take. I think for us to be able to be that choosy. I'm not saying we, we don't care about quality, but I, I don't have the luxury of picking my very, my row from my farmer in, in those cases. So you know, there has to be a level of trust. So you work with the, the suppliers that you know can give you good stuff and you, you ask for their best and you, you make sure the proof is in the pint. The proof is in the pint. Sorry, that was TM. That, that was somebody else's that line. Was, that was somebody else's line. I've heard that before. <laughs> I know, right? It used to be our I was going to say that pudding, was, but that would have dragged us back into Twinkie realm. Yeah, it's not. we're not doing the pudding thing. Yeah, the proof is in the, <laughs> proof's the pudding. Pudding beer? No, we're not doing pudding oh, beer. Oh, it's been it's done. Just, oh, I'm It's sure, been done locally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. We're, nah, no. Was it locally sourced pudding? That's what I uh, want to know. That, probably not, no. The milk for the milk part might have been if it was shipped out of state powdered returned to jello whoever made the instant pudding they put in the beer Mm-mm. you know it's funny that we keep bringing that up but part of that does tie into the other aspect of quality that we're talking about because i, I think there's times that the consumer really focuses on i want purity of ingredients and simplicity you actually hear that resonating with some of the very biggest brewers these days there seems to be some some back and forth about what should and what shouldn't be in beer adjunct wise. And that's funny for me, but on a smaller scale, it's strange to me that there's the, the impulse is for a lot of consumers, especially younger consumers is to drink a lot of flavored stuff, you know, stuff that by right wouldn't normally be found in beer, uh, five years, 10 years ago. So I'm not saying that the perception of quality has eroded and they don't care about quality, but it's almost like we're in the next shiny thing phase where the thing they want to drink might not be, hey, this is the freshest hops you can get. Enjoy my pale ale. It's more like, hey, this is a rhubarb cobbler beer. Wow, I want it. <laughs> and there's no question of ours. Was that locally sourced rhubarb? Where did the cobbler come from? Was the was the rhubarb treated well in its life? <laughs> None of that. It's like perfectly okay to, to use whatever methods you need to concoct that flavor for the end result. And I that's hope, kind of the kind of world we live in right now. <laughs> I hope your peaches felt good about themselves. <laughs> they had a relatively high level of self 
this beam. Hey, there are chickens with GPS and um, Fitbits making sure they're happy and healthy in their life somewhere in the world. Well, there are. There absolutely are. Uh, we don't go that to that length with our hops. But I'm certainly not putting chickens in our beer either yet. 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 It's happened. Well, I mean, people put pizza in their beer, and that's just not good. I mean, I think you touched a bit on the concept of local. Like you said, you've got some distribution, some local, and by local, you know, state distribution. But what does the term local mean? So, I mean, we hear it thrown around all the time. And what is what attributes of this concept of local are important to you? Well, we only distribute in the state of Wisconsin. So we, we do try hard to support our local agribusiness and our local supply chain, and especially our local farmers. So if, if they're all things being equal, and if we can get you know, a, a great base malt that's grown in Wisconsin, that's malted in Wisconsin, and has the technical specs, the flavor that we're looking for, that's, that's not from far, far away. I mean, not only is that a great thing to tell our customers and not be lying about it, you know, this is a small enough state. You sometimes, I sometimes forget that I lived in, on the West Coast for a long time. And Wisconsin, with a total population of five and a half million, is basically a suburb of L.A., for example. Right. You know, so we have to think of our terms as a really big but spread out community. Right. And we are. And um, I think it's important to, to tell your consumers, hey, this is locally local. And we, we tried to we got Wisconsin grown barley here. We got Wisconsin grown hops. And, and that tells them they're helping out my neighbors. You know, that's, oh, my neighbor grows hops as well. It might not be his hops, but these people care. They care about keeping it sustainable. Keeping that carbon footprint as low as possible is a thing I think we all have to think about going forward. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if others use the word local in the same way, but we don't slap a local term on it unless it, unless it is. And so um, we even... We don't do it so much anymore, but we have some of our family members growing hops for us. And that's really a way to kind of connect ourselves physically, you know, hands-on with not the process of making beer, but the components that go into it. You know, taking care of those those hops as they grow and do you water them? Do you make sure the drainage is good? There's a whole lot of fretting about it through the season. And then harvest time comes and we might not get 20 pounds of our own um, family-grown hops, but the exercise and going through it, it makes you care. And, and that's, I'm a partnership, I'm with a partnership group of, uh, there's six of us, and I'm kind of the lead beer guy. So it's important for me to bring my partners into the fold by getting them hands on over, over a whole pile of hops to pick. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know, local to us um, is important. We're, we're a family group for the most part, and we're one generation removed from having, um, you know, our parents lived and worked on a family farm. And so it's, kind of still ingrained in us in a way that maybe two or three generations later won't be quite as like connected it saddens me a little bit but you know we um we make those choices to try to support people who are neighbors right well that's good i mean this you know there's there's one aspect of of local that is your tie to the community what and i think you you address that really nicely but what is the from the beer side of things and from the consumer side of things, that intersection, how important is local to them? Or is it more about their rhubarb cobbler and how well it was treated? Well, I mean, the beer drinking um, community out there, or let's, it's, it's hard to put one definitive line on that. I think there's various threads, people who, who are attracted to, liquid refreshments for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, and, and on the one hand, you have, maybe I'd say, a certain section section of the um, beer drinkers who really do care about what's new and it's exciting. I don't know if they're mostly young or they're mostly just kind of like adventurous. I want to try new flavors. Um, you see it in other food segments as well. There's a lot of weird stuff going on that never used to be there. You know, mm-hmm. flavored varieties of potato chips that are mind-blowingly different than we used to have and it's fun it really is i mean i'll try them once too so i'm guilty as well if uh even if a beer sounds like a stretch but it's really well constructed it can be a thing of beauty different but um and then i I think we have some people who really would like to they're really locally minded and they're the ones who pick things up for those reasons you know it's hyper important for them to have it local for other folks not so much i can't tell you what the percentage is of, of those kinds of beer drinkers but um i think for us maybe just hearing things around the bar maybe 
three or four years ago, was, it was more interest in local, mm-hmm. or at least more of, say, a buzzword that we would hear, and right. we, we would have to, like, we used to put it on our menus, do a little Wisconsin icon with an L for local and all kinds of verbiage to say, you know, list our farms, list our... Has that changed? I, I don't know. Maybe it's evolving a little bit where where there's um, less emphasis on that, or maybe that's just a thing that we've noticed in our own small pocket right. of the world. Right. And I, I mean, I, I see it changing again from that four or five years ago where it was local was local. And that was something everybody smeared all over everything. And now it's sort of, I would like to think that it's been taken for granted that, well, of course this has got to be local. There's enough people around. We're just not going to bother asking about it anymore, but that's definitely not the case. Maybe you're right. I, th- I think especially with very large consumer items, I think there's been an erosion of that as well. I think organic's another word. I, I really, I think, think the world of the people who go to the great lengths to um, make their whole supply chain organic and, you know, that's difficult and it's expensive and hats off to them. But I think for some consumers, you know, if you're just your casual shopper and you think vaguely that's an important idea, you can be fooled by a number of things. Let's just say you're buying a box of crackers and you have so much wealth of variety. There's going to be an intersection of price point and what you feel to be virtuous yeah. of that box of crackers. Yeah, and totally. I, I know I, I see them. I don't often do our family's grocery shopping. So I'm, we have a lot of new things that arrive on our shelves and I'm happy to see them because I love crackers especially with cheese. But uh, sometimes I look at, the, I always look at the box and like, is this really organic or was this just sort of like, does it have a fanciful name that makes you dream of these idyllic pastures somewhere? And that's, <laughs> that's really the uh, organic component of it. So I don't know if local is the same sort of thing where it was hammered so hard uh, five, 10 years ago that maybe the mass consumer no longer responds to it as well. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. now it's like we almost need different buzzwords and or a different way to, to talk about it. And I think these things are cyclical, too. So yeah. I think if we're in a phase of a ridiculous ridiculousness is a great way to say it, because that show is epitomizes what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, 30 seconds of something dumb and then on to the next thing. That's right. Um, but maybe that's a beer, too. You know, it's. 15, 20 minutes worth of having this little sip of beer and then let's move on to the next one and let's get a flight of 24 beers and they're two ounces apiece and yeah. I would never have to look back. You know, I am, um, for better or worse, I, I still kind of maintain our responses to the untapped. People don't know that. I'm sure they do if you're listening for the reasons I think you are. <laughs> it's the online beer app yeah. that a lot of folks use and it's funny, you know, some of our best-selling beers from the pub goers the people who come in for our Irish red again and again, for example, for people who travel through, it's like, it's a tick for them. And that's it. It's like, give it a, give that two ounce glass a sniff and a sip and take it off your box and never look back. You don't ever have to visit that beer again. And yeah, it really hurts a guy like me because these are things that are crafted over years of experience and time and <laughs> labors of love. And it's like, really? Me. Two ounces is all you could give us? <laughs> but I get it. There's there's that many beers on the market these days, and a person can't legitimately drink them all. So I hope we will eventually retract into people caring about things with repeatability in mind. Like, this is this is my favorite, play, favorite profile. I now realize that I love the combination of cascade and galaxy hop so i have to seek out this beer that scott manning made and it's there next time and the time after and the time after i think a lot of brewers would would like for a return to a little bit of sanity where it's like we can start making you know repeater beers that mm-hmm. have some uh, some legs right instead of your it's almost like your flagship has to be i don't want to say it's not definitely doesn't have character but it's the whole concept of flagship beer yeah. I don't, how do you even do that anymore? I, I think that we're lucky because we have some that get to stick around because people tell us they can't go away. And this is something that they, they want to come in. You know, we're hyper local in that regard. Yeah. So the Irish red that I talk about, it's not an exciting beer by modern standards. If that was sitting on a shelf somewhere, that would probably not sell gangbusters because mm-hmm. it's a very, you know, it is what it is. Simple, beautiful. Multi. It's well crafted. It's all the right notes. It's well crafted. But exciting? No. It's like a 
It's like a Toyota Corolla <laughs> versus a Lamborghini. It's well built and, and, and trustworthy. It's well built and trust, trustworthy. Yep, I like and that. It's always you can go to it, but you know it's not going to turn any heads. I shouldn't say Corolla. <laughs> Mostly Honda folks. It's a Honda Odyssey. Oh, it's not <laughs> Scott's Odyssey. That's yeah. what it is. So Scott, I was in a brand new brewery by me just last week and i was talking to the brewmaster there and he he made an interesting comment right along the lines of what you're saying um he was i was asking him you know in your first week here being open what's selling what's not and he said it's kind of interesting the the weird stuff the the stuff that people want to try two ounces of that's turning over in flights very very well Mm -hmm. but the pint business for him was their lager and their session ipa and their wit and not the so to your point about someone just stopping in for a taste yeah. is there room at the bar there for you know the weird stuff in two and four ounce flights but the standards there as more of the okay i've tried the fun stuff and now i'm going to sit back and have a pint of what i know i like and what's what's safe for lack of a better term of course there's there's room for that i mean part of it is we've taken that into consideration with our last couple of build outs because we have what would seem like an obscene amount of tap lines by some but not really not really if you if you realize you have to have a robust selection of malt oriented beers you have to have a whole bevy of ipas and derivatives and then there's room enough for some experimentation so i hope that's what's fun about coming to visit us and uh not knowing who you're talking about i think something else they might be experiencing is well if they're a new brewery they're going to have a lot of looky loos they're going to have people who are first time visitors it's like a new restaurant you know you you're tentative about uh, about trying them out at first um a flight is a great way to kind of get to know them i hope it's not just a, a ticket once and don't have to visit that brewery again because that's not fair but i think especially as they um kind of get some time behind them and people in their local community who like to go out for a beer once in a while get to know that this is another great place I can go and and sit down and have a couple. I think you will grow into like, these are the favorites. These are the proven winners. These are the ones people ask for again and again. Um, we never kind of let our own impulses or our, our brewmaster, although he, he'd love to kind of dictate. <laughs> oh, sure. I make those choices, but it's always with the consumer in mind. And so I think that probably their brew staff will, will, if they're smart, they'll do that too. Just listen, you know, the people who you see is, wow, you were here three times last week and four times this week. And what do you like? They'll tell you. So I I hope that, you know, if it gets you on the map, it's good to have interesting things like that. But I don't know if you can make it your mainstay. Gone are the days too of, of maybe, um, uh, trying to, trying to find the next, Oh, the next killer app or whatever it is in the beer world. You know, the thing that I'm not going to, I don't want to name names, but there's, there's a very big brewery that makes a a well-known beer. That's ubiquitous here in the state of Wisconsin. Sometimes uh, among, uh, among brewer folk and say, I'm trying to invent the next, but you can't, you can't hope to kind of repeat that, that sort of lightning moment and uh, get the thing that's going to fly onto the shelves and make you a household name anymore. There's just too much variety out there, I think. So. That was a long-winded response. Sorry. No, no, that's great. That's that's just what we're looking to understand. And, you know, that that also kind of speaks to the whole what's new aspect. You've you've got, as you said, people who are just passing through and they want to try a little bit of everything. You've got your mainstays, folks that, you know, have a seat with their name etched into it. James being one of those people. (laughs) And (laughs) actually, um, actually, uh, Greg, I have to interrupt you, because when when this building was going up, this uh, vintage sock, I. Scott was, I remember us having a beer at the, one of their other places and saying, should we have a mug club? Should we do this? Should we do that? And I said, nope. I said, all I want is a stool with my name on the back of it. And if, and if I, anytime I come in and somebody's sitting there, I get to punch them in the back of the head <laughs> <laughs> and without saying just a word, just pow. And then, you know, word will get around that don't sit in that chair. So I think that's better than the mug club, actually. I think we were worried that a word would get around, so we didn't we didn't activate that one. Oh, okay. But it's still right. in the back burner. We're thinking about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's a committee right now. So. Yeah. So, so you're looking for a place where everybody knows your knuckle print. Really. Pretty much, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> nice. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's quite, no, quite all right. Yeah. Uh, so my... My question there, the the what's new thing is something else that we talk about a lot. And you certainly have a lot of of local traffic and regulars. Um, You want those folks, as you said, to kind of not necessarily want them to, but people tend to gravitate toward the, hey, this is what I like. This is what I'll have. 
how important is it, though, to give those folks a what's new, a reason for coming in? Because there are so many places to go and so many choices they can make. Um, you, you obviously don't want people to say, oh, you know what? It's always the same. It's always the good same. But there are so many options. Do you need to to, to you know what? I guess what percentage of your tap do you try to rotate? to keep people coming in and going, ooh, I haven't had that one before. It's something new to try, as opposed to, okay, I'm here, it's it's Sunday at 2, and this is what I always have. Well, that's a great question, and I think I can't answer for other brewers and brewery owners out there. They're going to have to figure that out for themselves, because um, we're actually lucky that we can draw from various demographics, I guess, or, um, yeah, we're in various places here, so we've got a location that's, um, just off campus, downtown Madison, which functions very differently than our heavily suburban west side Madison um, location. So people have different impulses, different tastes there. Um, and then different again from Sauk City, which is, you know, it's a, a small, medium-sized town 20 miles away from Madison. But generally, we we have always... We've always been of the mindset that we need to keep bringing new things or rotation to our guests. And so it was never going to be, let's just figure out what our big six beers are and a couple seasonals and put it on autopilot. That was never, never going to be it. Um, so we don't just do, you know, 100% new recipes. We do extensive rotationals, seasonals. So we go through like, not just like, hey, here's our Oktoberfest and our pumpkin beer and that's our fall We'll bring uh, in, like, depending on which location you're at, we might have six new beers debut in October, or sorry, I shouldn't say, in September. And those will last for a while, and some will drop off. Some will, um, my wife and I do the menu redos, both the, both the physical ones and online stuff, and it's literally every two weeks. We're changing them over at some locations. Some we stretch a little further to a month or so, but we I always want to have somebody you know, what's new should be on their mind, even if they are our regulars, even if we know they're probably going to gravitate to, let's say, Woodshed IPA, which is a beer we make all the time. We know they like it, but they're still curious enough to try out a couple of sips first, maybe have a pint of something new and exciting, and then eventually they'll get back to their Woodshed IPA, and that's fine too. I think it makes it fun. It makes it um, a moving target. You know, if you can kind of evolve with the seasons, I know I appreciate that. There's times that I just really crave lagers, and Oktoberfest season's one of them. I love that style. And it's so simple. You'd think, why can't that just be a year-round beer? It's just a, you know an amber lager with all the right toasty malt notes. And But if it goes away, you kind of pine for it. And it's one of the things you look forward to in the fall. You know, I look forward to it with the kind of strength and devotion. I look forward to football. And I don't know if that's <laughs> – you can say what you want about that. But I grew up in Green Bay, so it's it's kind of in the blood. Uh-huh. But anyway, so Oktoberfest gets there, and it's like a massive celebration. It's, um, so I'm going to shift away from my usual favorites in favor of that for at least a few months. And I think that's what's special, too. And that's that really is a, um, a key point here in Wisconsin where we have to kind of suffer through the seasons sort of if you have the the beers kind of help you through and um you know they reflect the seasons with you you're more apt to go and uh spend time in the pub and um especially in the dark of winter if you've got fun things to look forward to when you get there and some good camaraderie you know your friends are there you can have some good conversations and a few laughs that'll help you get through the winter you'd think you'd think not i mean this this year's been pretty brutal so it's there's there's had to have been extra camaraderie. Extra camaraderie, yeah. <laughs> Lots of extra camaraderie. So for us, it's probably something like um, the mainstay beers that are year rounds for us. I can tell you that's about 12%, 15% uh, of our total beer supply. I mean, a total beer list that you see when you come in. And another good portion is going to be about 50% are what we just call rotators. They don't have a season. They just kind of come and go. And a lot of times... I try to balance things out stylistically so you don't have too heavy an emphasis on dark beers, too heavy an emphasis on IPAs or whatever. There should be something for everyone who walks in the door looking for a beer to to be satisfied and happy with a few choices. And then that small portion that's left over is going to be things that are experimental, new ideas, you know, fun one-offs, the kind of thing that might not have a repeat or it might if it really takes off. You've got to keep experimenting because you never know what you're going to strike on that's going to be a winner. So 
one of those last year, we, we did a one-off of a key lime wit. And I thought, wow, this is a funny, snarky little answer to the shandies of the world. And guess what? We're going to package it in cans this year because it <laughs> really struck something. And, uh, well, I, I have to tell you, I was I was in town with James back in October, and I sat at your bar, and I tried that key lime wit, and I loved it. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, but were the key limes, did they feel good about themselves? <laughs> That's really they what did. I needed to know. They were massaged. We, we had a symphony play out in the orchard for awesome. a while. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> That's the kind of dedication to quality I'm talking about. See, and I'm one of those consumers who just believes that that key lime was there for my benefit, and I'm not so concerned. <laughs> that's all you have to know. Up, yeah, that is upbringing and its feelings. That's really all that matters, right? Excellent. Good questions. Good questions. Yeah, I, I don't know if everyone else is as willing or adept at, at just rolling through the seasonals and the one-offs. And I guess I'm just kind of I've been brewing beer for a long time, and I still love it. And it gets a little little static if you just go into meetings and talking about how to move the things you've already made. That's not really where my heart is. I still have to do those things. <laughs> but I have a lot more fun when it's like, hey, Pi Day is coming up. Let's see what kind of fun stuff we can come up with. Ha ah. mm-hmm. That's actually where the key line wit came from. That right. was our. Was, and, and wasn't there a, a rhubarb or something like that? Um, yeah, the rhubarb was another one, which was kind of a fun creation. Don't think we would have done it otherwise, but boy. Really tasty. I was surprised how much of that I I drank. <laughs> yeah, so we do um, a bunch of fun events too. So sometimes you have these one-off beers or uh, limited seasonals that are really for a weekend or so. I mean, we do a, a freaking catnip-infused stout for Cinco de Meow. So we're not your typical paint-by-the-numbers brew pub. <laughs> it's coming up, by the way. It is coming Mark up. Mark your yep. calendars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone know what day it is? Of course you know what day uh, it yeah. is. Yeah, what day is that again? It's Cinco de Meow. Uh, Cinco de Meow, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I haven't yet been able to um, locate a Meowriachi band, but we're, we're hopeful <laughs> in the future. Oh, my God. So we try to have some fun. We try to make beers that reflect um, our parties. And we any reason to draw people in to come some, have some fun with us. Maybe that's the only thing they know vintage for is Cinco de Meow. That's fine. You know, maybe they only know us from on, online shenanigans like that and Ginger Fest and some mm-hmm. of these things. But I don't know. You just um, have to still be noticed because then hopefully they'll visit you or, or visit you again and realize, you know what? It's not just a one-trick pony. This, they actually got some good stuff year-round. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. this They actually are pretty good. Keep putting the suggestion in the suggestion box, Twinkie Beer, and they never do that. They never though, do so. it, no. Of course not. That's more of a Chicago thing. Um so I think this is a is a good time to uh, to play an inaugural game. Sure, oh, right. Since how we're talking about this, I say, Greg, I say we we force Scott to play beer the name. Beer the name. Okay, Scott. So here here's the point behind beer the name. Very often you're putting together a beer and then you say, okay, what are we going to name this thing? So we're taking it from the opposite approach. We came up with some names. Okay, and we want you to tell us if you were handed this name and told, okay, Vintage has to put out a beer called this, what kind of beer would you make? Wait, wait, wait. You're approaching this all wrong. Because if there's <laughs> one area that I am completely megalomaniacal, what's the word I'm looking yeah. for? Megalomaniacal. Yeah, yeah megalomaniacal. It. It's naming of the beers. There's oh, only yes. been a couple uh, in the Vintage cadre that are not named by me, and they uh-huh. hurt me. To this day, they still hurt me. I, exactly. They so, still it's terrible. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> Scott's going to get some really good ideas out of this, so... You're okay. welcome to use them with a slight kickback to hopnology.com. It's <laughs> just not going to happen. Though. Donate gonna... now button no. on the page. No, it's not going to happen. Thief. Or you could just send me a few bottles of, of um, Cinco de Miao because that's just <laughs> – I, I wish I'd thought of that for beer the name. <laughs> All right. So let's get let's get started. Let's give Scott – pitch him a few. Okay. Here's, here's the first one. I'll punch you in the throat. <laughs> Well, that's easy. I mean, that's that's going to be something with habanero and sriracha. And I'm going to go ahead and say let's make it a, as abrasive as possible. So let's make that a really deft um, small beer like a Goza. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sour. <laughs> so heavy on the sea salt and then go big on the sriracha especially. I want that kick of vinegar to really come in. Mm. Um, if you don't have that kind of um, glottal response where you feel like you're <laughs> going to send it back, then that beer name is is meaningless. I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> I told you he'd be. I told you he'd be good at this game. Yes, yes, you are absolutely right. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Okay, we'll we'll go to the other end of the spectrum. Hello, sweetie. Hello, sweetie. Um, 
he's grimacing right now. Because yeah, that's totally I don't know, his, man. I don't know if bag. I can work with that one. <laughs> Hello, sweetie. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say we're playing. I don't know why else you'd name a beer that unless you're playing off the beer style. So it has to be a Hellas. But because you got sweetie in there, you're throwing Twinkies in. Hellas sweetie. <laughs> it's, it's Hello sweetie. Hello, no, no. Because you can't say Twinkie. No, that'd be something like Twinkie Twinkie Little Star. Yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What have I done? <laughs> Someone's going to use that. They will. <laughs> Um, all right, hello, sweetie. So instead, let's just pack it full of sh- full of sugar. Let's make it a um, one of those lactose IPAs. Oh, yeah, oh, let's do it. Oh, oh, oh. I get I get the wet gags again. Well, la- uh, let's do oh. a uh, milkshake IPA Hellas. There you go. That's what the world does not need. The world does not need, but that. it's going to have it. However, there's <laughs> there's three or four breweries in Madison that will probably start doing that soon. I think Ooh. it's Chicago again, though. No, he says Chicago yeah. thing. It's a Chicago Northside. thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely Northside. <clears throat> yeah, we'll get mm. him on later. Uh, <laughs> all right, Craig, <laughs> pitch another one. All righty, next one. We're going with a with a movie quote here. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody puts baby in a Nobody corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. All right. Um, I guess I would want to know what movie that came from, and I'm not. I don't go out much, so let's see. I feel that's, like if that's, I, that's from Dirty Dancing. You don't have to go out much anymore to know that one. Yeah, exactly. I didn't you go can... out much back then either. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Dirty Dancing. I'm struggling with this one. So Ooh. I don't know. First of all, I think I think you just got to brew with dish water because <laughs> you know that's the dirty for Dirty Dancing. And then this is an all sparge water beer. <laughs> <laughs> Baby in a corner. I guess we'll just have to go like, well, you know, the, uh, we just had um, Fat Tuesday and there's that king cake. So there's baby, baby in the corner of a cake, you know, because you, you oh, slice yeah. up the cake and you get the little baby, which breaks your, just knocks out a crown and then you win somehow. <laughs> and what you win is you probably are going to have the next child. You'll be a father or a mother. And I'm not sure how that plays out in everyone's mind, but that sounds like a win to me. So, all right. So, we got the king cake. King cake flavored um, corn adjunct. That's the corner. Yeah. Corn adjunct. <laughs> wow. He's yeah. taking it seriously. I know. Yeah, yeah. But I think it has to stay kind of light because we're talking dirty dancing. I wasn't the lead actor. She's kind of um, blonde. Yeah. 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 So, so all right. Let's keep it like a Maybach. Okay. Yeah. But a dishwater okay. Maybach. A dishwater Maybach yeah. with corn adjunct. Yeah. Corn, and, and don't forget the cake. And the cake. King cake. Yeah. So, it's going to be cloudy. Of course. <laughs> With like actual chunks of cake in it. Was Patrick Swayze in that? Yes, he was. Yep. Yep. All right. What's What can we reflect for Patrick Swayze as far as a flavor profile? I, I think I think we'll have to use Roundhouse as one of our, our well, future. Well, I, I, I think Corny covers it all. So. <laughs> corny would be good. If only there was like a, a Swayze hop varietal. There should be. <laughs> there could be. There, there actually there will be. be. Yeah. I'll bring it up to my friends at... Uh, University of Nebraska, where they're doing a bunch of hot breeding now. I'm like Swayze. Yeah, Swayze rhymes with hazy. Yeah, exactly. We're all over it. Mm -hmm. Totally. What else you got, Greg? All right, we got one more for beer the name. And um, so, what would you do with Ninja Parade? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't touch that because that would be in violation of Vintage Brewing Company's trademark Ginger Ninja. Exactly. If I was smart, I wouldn't touch that. Mm -hmm. All right, Ninja Parade. Um. I would. We're gonna do with a ninja parade. It sounds like it should be a big beer, but not really because ninjas aren't always big. And you wouldn't necessarily see them. It'd be a silent parade. Ninja right. parade. Right. So okay, we're gonna do something like Zima for this one. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be a dry hopped Zima dry hopped. with sriracha ace because you know it's Japanese. So yeah, of course, dry hopped. Uh, not Zima, but you know a Zima derivative. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so malt malt <laughs> beverage. Dry hopped with sriracha. I would totally drink that. I <laughs> drink that shit with caution. Here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't actually know you were drinking it until after you had. You feel the effects, it. though. Yeah, exactly. See, Most of the next the day, the ninja that sneaks up on you and kicks you in the head repeatedly. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's got to be like a fourteen percent something. Oh, <laughs> oh, more like four loco then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ninja parade is going to be a malt beverage that's heavily fortified with a bunch of other flavors and stuff. Ninja Parade. Ninja Parade. That's yeah. going to go over pretty well. <laughs> College campuses. He's got it down. Yeah. It'll be right there next to Boons and Mad Dog. Wait, wait. It's probably, it could be a seltzer. Ooh. Ooh. It could be a, yeah, oh. a hard seltzer. Oh, there you go. I like it. I like that. It. That works. 
You're welcome. <laughs> How'd that work out, Greg, for the inaugural that, that, Beer of the Name? That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Scott, for participating in our first round of Beer of the Name. That uh, It's going to be tough to beat. Oh, it will be. Well, 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 we'll have several guests on, and then we'll do, a, we'll do a best of, and then we'll let the listeners decide who had the best answer. Ooh, then can we have, like a, can we have a championship? We what, absolutely can we have a championship. Have the, the couple, like two or three best head-to-head. We'll have us all in studio, and we'll just like go at it. Totally. Has to be beers involved. No Sunday morning for that one. That's a happy no, hour. No, that's happy hour yeah. all the way. We'll just put a, we'll just put a big... Big opened. Uh, we won't use condenser mics. We'll just have a, a a round table mic, and and it can just get worse and worse as the drinking well, progresses. Wait, I like that. How about we all na- we get the name, then we're all like behind behind a wall for dramatic effect, oh. and we're all just like, what will they come up with? And then, <laughs> then there's the big reveal with us all together, and that's when there's plenty of drinking and preservation. Oh, boy, this just keeps getting better. I love and it. And you have Team to show. try each other's formulation of it. Because none of these are things I would drink, by the way. No, exactly. Just came up with. No. <laughs> you got that going for hey, you. You've got an event in the works. Yeah, totally right there. I, I do think the finals will all be Patrick Swayze themed themed names, no. though. They're, <laughs> They're all going to be hazy IPAs, you realize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> easy Swayze. Yep, I'm out. That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving. Excellente. <laughs> well, we do have another game. I like games. Do you want to play another game? Sure, yeah. All right, so let's play another game. So so this is called Beer or No. <laughs> Did I say that right, James? Yep, Beer or No. Good, beer good, or no. good way, Connecticut guy with the Wisconsin accent there. Beer or No. Beer or No. Beer or No, so, hey. Uh-huh. I'm going to name five beers, and you're going to have to tell us if these are actually beers or just shit that James and I made up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And they're and they're mostly inappropriate. Are these commercially right. available beers? Are these just beers that have been possibly homebrewed or any, any no, level? not homebrewed. Okay, commercially available yep. beers. Mm-hmm. All right. Just ideas we came up with and googled them and said, "Hey, no one's made that into a beer yet <laughs> that we know of." <laughs> All right, shoot. All right, first one is Naughty Nurse, an amber ale. Yeah, definitely a beer. Yep, City Steam Brewery, right here in Connecticut. That is a real beer. All right. Lon Chaney's Ghost, a spiced wit. That's a beer, for sure. That is not a beer. Oh, well. <laughs> probably there's some some studio protection. There probably is. Yeah. Name. yeah, yeah. Universal. I think it's a great idea for a beer, but it's not a beer. Um, here's, here's another one. Wake me up before you goza. Sour. Well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say probably it has been made. Yes, yes. Okay. Strange way brewing put that one out. Uh, let's see here. Amber's hot friend, Amber Ale. It sounds like if it's out there, it's probably taking some heat right now. Uh, you know, from from various online mm-hmm. groups. I would say mm-hmm. I probably would have heard of that only because it would have been named in some of the things that I generally read online. So I'm gonna say no. It's a made-up one. That is a real beer. Oh, jeez. But by Skookum Brewery, which even their name has some interesting... Uh, yeah, there, and that, yeah. that's a very notorious brewery for questionable names. Yeah, I'm surprised we'll I haven't them. heard of them yet because, yeah, there's a lot of that. The people get called out for their sexist attitudes mm-hmm. and especially their packaging choices and artwork. Oh, yes. <sighs> yes. You got to <laughs> toe the line there, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hit him, hit, him, hit him again, Greg. Okay, last one. My eyes are up here. Belgian double. <laughs> He's closing his eyes and shaking his head right now. Yeah. I'm, tendencies, I'm going to guess yes. These are all of your names. I'm going to just keep saying yes, probably, because it's conceivable. No, that one we made up. Oh, yeah, that was Greg's. Greg made that one up. So that's all I've got for beer oh, or no today. I, I kind of lost that I, one. I, th- I think you were kind of two for five on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for, you know, to to ask a creative genius to be creative on the spot. No, so. clearly I have to get out more and, and try to seek out places that have um, these kinds of beer names. 
you yeah. know, be the kind of guy who goes and just like two ounces, tick, two ounces, tick. Then I'd, I'd know better. I'd, I'd understand our culture better. <laughs> you would. And think of, think of your score on untapped. I think, mean, you would think, be untouchable. You know, my score at, in the home front would not be good. Yeah, this is, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I'd yeah. be in my next life beer tourist. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of bad beer out there. Well, I think, you know, the last thing I wanted to, to talk to you about, uh, which is kind of a nice segue from what we were just talking about, was this concept or this issue in the commercial space of naming beer. And you yourself have been both the recipient and the uh, the producer of... <laughs> Most definitely. Market, uh, market-based... Uh, Overlap. Overlap. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'd really love your take on that because I, I know that there were some comments a while back on my pro brewer about, you know, how do you, it's like these names that Greg and I just came up with. If we, if you were to like have a beer and name one of them for love of God, don't do that. But, <laughs> but let's <laughs> say you had one and it, it got big there, you know, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to try and slap you with a cease and desist. You know, it's happened, and um, it's true that we have been very protectionist of, of our names in some cases. Um, well, I think you have to, and I think we, you have we that do. Right. We do have to, especially you know, you take it into consideration if it is one of those beers you do feel like you're going to be brewing again and again, even if it's just a seasonal, but it's going to be a year after year seasonal. Um, I, I think that it's also locally relevant. In the case I'm thinking of, it's it's too bad because I we had to kind of like send a. A letter out and um uh to someone locally you know another wisconsin brewer and it was it was thoughtfully received and we felt bad because it obviously put a bunch of money behind their marketing and and their materials as well but they they took it down so hats mm-hmm. off to them for, for doing the right thing we we had been brewing before they were in, in existence brewing this beer before they even you know chartered their brewery so that's a case i think of things gone right it never had to come to anything ugly I still wish them the best. I would definitely hang out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, in other cases, you know, we've been slapped with, with season desists for, well, I, I joked about Ginger Ninja before, but there's another brewery not in this state, not distributed in this state, who said we have to stop using that name because they have a beer that uses that name. And people can do the research if they want to figure out who that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because I, I had to, had to search for are you even distributed in the state of wisconsin because we're not really outside our own borders and for most of our the names that we cherish the most we at least have a wisconsin registered trademark Mm -hmm. so we do have a legal right to use that mark for the purposes of i mean i suppose someone could use ginger ninja for for uh ottomans or furniture (laughs) but you know when you cross over in the drinks space especially the you know adult alcoholic beverages space i don't think we'd we'd tolerate another winery or you know right uh, a distillery making a ginger ninja and trying to push it around the state of wisconsin i only use that name because you know we we had to suffer from the other one we didn't respond to that i mean Mm -hmm. we of course consulted with our our lawyers to say what bearing do they have on our ability to keep using this mark or to cause trouble for us, you know, to continue doing business. And it was agreed. We just kind of like wait and see and see if it washed over. Um, coming to find out they had sent, cause there's, as you might imagine, there are a multitude of ninja names out mm-hmm. there in the beer world. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of a blanket thing. I, I think I attended the same craft brewers conference. This group may have where it was run by lawyers and it was pretty much like you got to protect your marks. This is your business, and we're going to tell you how to do it. And I think some of those companies who are on the rise as maybe regional players thought this is the time. We're going to pony up the bucks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be case by case. When there's a clear sense of infringement or, okay, consumer confusion, I think one group's just got to kind of back out of the situation and apologize and be what may I you'd hate to have it turn into something ugly. Um, but then again, it's a competitive business. So even the very big scale, I, I think about the whole stone keystone thing. Remember mm-hmm. that one? Oh yeah. Boy, I, I don't know what side others were on, but I could totally see, um, you know, Greg cook and his company's position that when you turn that can to the side on the shelf, it looks like a stone product. And what's inside is certainly not a stone product. And they would never <laughs> want to be judged for that. Exactly. So I think that was 
maybe a bad decision by a very large company to do that. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was a little bit more insidious than that. Like maybe trying to occupy some craft space that it wasn't theirs, wasn't their right. So never I don't know. We, I can say that at our scale, we never try to, to make difficulty for the consumer and finding the products they're looking for. We never try to overlap with our neighbors and friends uh, and, and other craft brewers in the state of Wisconsin, but it's hard. I, when I'm trying to name a beer, of course, you have a whole brainstorming session, usually over a few beers. Mm -hmm. And the next step is when you're lucid and, and ready to do this, you Google it, of course. It's just <laughs> GTS already. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you can also, anybody can research the, um, the federal government's COLA files, and that's the uh, online label. Um, mm -hmm. So to be certified, anybody who's, who's sought to seek um, use of a name or register their, their label, their artwork with a certain name, it would be, you know, on that database. So you can search there as well. Is there another Ginger Ninja? And so I at least go through those two steps. And in some cases, you know, we'll still make the choice to use a, a name that we feel is strong. If, for example, on untapped, it comes up as a homebrew. I think it's ridiculous that people can check in on not professionally brewed beers, right. their own home stuff, because now you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of homebrewers with their own creative impulses, naming beers. Are we really supposed to stay off of everything? I mean, we're going to have to use like code and, and combinations of digits and <laughs> <laughs> numerical and symbols. Amper, ampersands. I don't even, what do you do? What do you even do? So it is, uh, it's become a crunch because there are so many brewers and I do feel like, Hey, a lot of times it's popular culture references. So if someone's a Weezer fan and I'm a Weezer fan, you might come up with a very similar name, right? Right. right. And on and on. So we used to stress about that more as a company. And now it's more like, well, I guess we'll let it slide if it's not going to be a problem for us to sell our beer locally. Mm -hmm. And we'll go ahead and register that mark in the state of Wisconsin so that if the other entity tries to enter with their mark, then it'll become a challenge. Right. Which we'll have some, some basis for winning that challenge. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to worry about a brewer in Seattle making a beer that's vaguely similar to the beer we made right unless it seems like it was on purpose and and derived from our name or something ginger ninja two tippy toboggan <laughs> tippy toboggan yep. tippy toboggan and something like trippy toboggan mm -hmm. i don't know is that too close for comfort <laughs> not close enough unless i'm drinking it i don't i don't have to like it yeah. but i'm not gonna can you really spend that much money who's, who's gonna win this whole scenario if every brewer tries to battle and fight for their their beer names right down to the last little drop. Only the lawyers are going to win. Right. Totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because then... And I'm, I imagine it's much more critical for folks that are, are canning and bottling and distributing where if, if they do end up having to pull back, that's a lot more of a financial impact than if you've got to change the name of something that's that's untapped in, in your place and, and other local establishments, but not necessarily getting packaged and distributed. Well, that is correct. Now that we're entering a little more into the, um, the package world, we take extra steps with those products we're going to put out there. Most recently, we had to remind another Wisconsin brewer that the name Woodshed, in connection with an IPA, has been used now for eight years continuously as not a seasonal, but as a year-round product by the Vintage mm -hmm. Brewing Company in both package form, draft form, <laughs> even in their town has been sold to yeah. bars in their town. And even though they added an extra O to the word woodshed in the middle, that is, sorry, yeah. Yeah. that one just struck us as a, a bit too close for comfort. Yeah, I agreed. So we, we sent a message to please not use that. That's an extra <laughs> O doesn't do anything to... Uh, reduce confusion in the marketplace. I so, realize there are no, other... Mo most standard beer consumers aren't big on the reading part anyway. So <laughs> this is true. This is no, true. But, but it's possible that that brewer could put out a Woodshed IPA even with an extra letter in there and it would be misconstrued for one of ours because we, we do a diligent job getting out to the beer fests. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, there's only five and a half million of us here in Wisconsin. How many are drinking beer? Five million. Five, five million. <laughs> I feel like we've met most of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Uh, Absolutely. Now, and so this, no harm, no foul. We, we asked politely, could you please stop using that? And as far as I know, that happened. So yeah. what are you going to do? Yep. Can't hold a grudge. No, I don't think so. You just got to <laughs> keep going on, but you draw the line in the sand, you stand your ground. So I think that's perfectly fair.
Well, I think uh, folks have wasted another perfectly good hour uh, listening to us yammer on. And mm -hmm. uh, super excited to have this be our first remote live at a brewery. So that's all the, uh, the sound you hear in the background are an actual working company. And I'd like to thank Scott Manning and Vintage Brewing Company for having us. And I'm sure uh, it won't be the last. And I think we're probably going to host our beer the name throwdown here at the vintage <laughs> nice. yep, absolutely yep yep and everybody's gonna have to brew a punch in the throat and there's gonna be a big pile of twinkies for so vintagebrewingcompany.com if you want to learn more about scott and what they're doing there um scott keeping in mind that this probably won't be posted for a week or two is there anything coming up end of march early april at the brewery you want to plug while you've got a free audience you know it. You know, we are lucky enough to have been um, tapped with the honor of brewing this year's Common Thread. This is a, that's a year by year we do a collaboration brew. It started as a Madison Brewers Collective, and we've kind of expanded it to a little wider scope than that. But um, it's fun. So we will we'll be brewing a cranberry wit of sorts here at the um, brewery in Sauk City. I can't say for, for sure who will be here in attendance among the other Wisconsin brewers, but many, many, all of them are invited and many, many hopefully will show up. And that'll be on tap for um, uh, Madison Craft Beer Week, which I believe is the very end of April. So that's something to look forward to is not just a beer by us, but a beer by many of your favorite Wisconsin brewers. Well, that'll be another good chance for us, Greg, to, to revisit Common Thread, which we've talked about a few times in, in collaboration. And Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I'll You'll see be... what I can't do to sneak in and, and get some uh, get some footage here of our of our brewer friends during that brew day so i can only hope that next year's common thread will be um punch you i'm gonna punch you in the throat <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing says community like you know a threat of physical violence <laughs> awesome thanks everybody that's all i got thanks. thank you 